Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. My guest today is the new mayor of Southampton, been in office since July, so probably started throwing tomatoes at him yet, and um, Southampton Village as opposed to town, but that is obvious when it's mayor. And uh, I think what you may have run for mayor before is uh, now you'll be known as Mr. Mayor. Yes, I guess so. (laughs) Probably for the rest of your life, you know, your family, everybody. Anyway, I wanted to know if you were where you you were from originally, and we'll get to more about that. Are you a New Yorker or are you a Southampton? Yes, I I was actually uh, uh, born in uh, in New York City. But, uh, you know, my father had uh, purchased a house in Southampton Village in 1960. So uh, I started coming out here uh, right when I was was born. Summer person, are you? <laughs> that that's correct. Er, early on, and then and then uh, moved out here uh, full time. And then I, I read you went to Trinity and Columbia Business School. Well, how did you get interested in that line of work? Uh, in 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 which line of work exactly? I'm sorry. Well, I, it's uh, looks like business administration and. Um, government and interesting background. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, actually, I, I had gone to uh, to high school in actually Washington, D.C., and uh, it was really during my my time in, in high school in Washington that I became very interested in uh, in government and, and politics being being right there. In fact, one of my my classmates is now a U.S. senator from the state of Colorado, Michael Bennett. And so it, it was something that, uh, you know, was was obviously front and center when I was there. Uh, and then when I went to college in, in Hartford, Connecticut, just across the sound, I became, uh, uh, you know, uh, interested in, in politics. So I majored in political science there and uh, graduated with with a, with a bachelor's with a major in political science. You know, it was something that I was always interested in. Uh, and then, you know, when I was um wanting to to uh, further my education. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to go to uh, law school. I, I thought there were, were too, too many lawyers. I decided to go to, to uh, business school and uh, and was lucky enough to get into uh, Columbia. And so got my uh, MBA at Columbia and then, you know, went back and forth between working in uh, in, in business as well as uh, holding jobs in, in the government sphere. You know, I was a trustee of, of Southampton Village 25 years ago, actually, first elected in 1997, and then again in 1999. And then I held a couple of uh, jobs in Washington, D.C., first at the U.S. Department of Transportation in the Maritime Administration, which actually helps oversee the Merchant Marine Academy at the other end of Long Island in Kings Point, New York. Uh, And then more recently, I uh, had eight years, actually, at the at the U.S. Small Business Administration, which, uh, as you may know, helps 
small businesses access capital uh, and and grow their businesses that way. And uh, we, we were most known during the pandemic for the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, which is where I was during during the pandemic, uh, during COVID. And and uh, I was very involved with with standing up that program, uh, PPP. Uh, and getting out uh, over uh, ha- half a trillion dollars to small businesses and not-for-profits across the country uh, during that uh, that really that shutdown across the country, and and really saving a lot of small businesses and uh, and nonprofits from going under uh, during that period. So uh, I'm very proud of the work that we we accomplished then. Uh, if you can believe it, Dan, uh, that legislation was packed but passed by Congress. And signed into law, and uh, I was told that I had one week to have that program <laughs> operational and have banks able to make those loans to small businesses. As you know, in the federal government, that's almost unheard of to have a program of that right. magnitude stood up in one week. But we actually made yeah. the deadline within one week. Banks were able to make those PPP loans to small businesses. Obviously, was a was a huge success. In, in getting money out yes, the door, and that was the objective, uh, really, to get that money out the door to these businesses that were closed so that they could make payroll, keep their employees on payroll, pay their utility bills, and either pay their rent or their mortgage payments so that they could stay in business and, and uh, you know, stay, stay viable. Uh, during that shutdown period. So uh, that's really, uh, you know, where I was. And then I came back to Southampton in uh, 2000, uh, sorry, 2021, and uh, uh, then ran for uh, trustee in 2022 uh, after uh, the mayor asked me to uh, head up the the uh, update of the comprehensive plan for the village uh, and was was uh, honored to be elected trustee in 2022 and then decided to run for mayor in 2023 what? and was honored by the uh, by the residents of the village to uh, take on that role here as you said uh, in July of this year well what what motivated you to run for mayor what what was the it's certainly not the money because they don't pay very much. I think a mayor is supposed to come in one day a week and make fifteen thousand a year. That's about it. So right, what what? And, and now I'm coming in. I'm coming in. You know, probably <laughs> four days a week, and I'm I'm making less than minimum wage at the at the salary that the village pays me. Right. Um, that that is true. You know, no, honestly, it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, Almost a cliche, but it's it's a love for the village and and a love for trying to to improve this village. And uh, you know, I saw a real need in the village, and uh, we were having some some issues here. The board was having some issues. I felt that that uh, I had the experience having having served uh, previously on the village board twenty five years ago, as I as I said, and uh, I, I felt that I could I could come in here with my experience. Uh, and and my education and really and really make a difference and uh, I, I think we've we've already been able to implement some some changes in, in the village but uh, you know I have a lot more that I want to do uh, I mentioned the comprehensive plan I would like to see more of the comprehensive plan implemented uh, and so that's that's quite an undertaking yeah. uh, you know the village village code hasn't been updated. Uh, you know, in decades. And so there's a lot of the code that uh, really needs to be updated. uh, And that's going to take some time. So one thing we did 
was we, we finally now have in place uh, an in-house village attorney, uh, Eileen Powers, who had been a, a town uh, of Southampton attorney. And she now is coming into the village, uh, village hall, actually, a couple of days a week. Uh, and she's going to help us uh, update village code and really implement the comprehensive plan. And we had been uh, previously working with uh, a law firm that was uh, from further west on Long Island. Uh, and, and our legal bills were really spiraling out of control because we were operating on billable hours. Uh, you're familiar with billable hours from attorneys. Uh, they can they whatever whatever you whatever you do with the code, leave the one about proper attire in there. Nobody obeys <laughs> it, but it's just charming, classic. Mentioning parts of your body you didn't even know you had. Exactly. No, I understand <laughs> what you're saying, but but you know we 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 saw that the uh, the you know the 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 village uh, legal bills were getting out of out of hand. To the tune of several hundred thousand dollars, and uh, you know that that's just that was just too much. So we've now been able to hire an in-house attorney sure. at an annual salary of one hundred and five thousand dollars, which is much more reasonable. Sure, certainly is. What are some of the things that, in the near term, you're working on that you think need to happen? Well, you know, we're trying to address the, uh, the the traffic issue, which is first and foremost in a lot of people's mind. And I, I've been working with the, the county uh, and the town uh, and even the, the state. Fred Thiel is, is trying to uh, help us, uh, especially with the Long Island Railroad and trying to make some improvements there. But, you know, it, it, it's there's not a silver bullet that's going to solve this problem. It's really a, a multi-pronged approach. But, uh, you know, the, the county has put out an RFP uh, request for proposal from engineers to look at how we can alter County Road 39, uh, especially as it comes uh, into Southampton here, and see if there's a way to re-engineer it so that it can accommodate, uh, you know, more vehicles or make it actually a, a smoother ride, uh, you know, uh, and, and continue the flow of traffic. Uh, here instead of the bumper to bumper traffic that we're getting, especially early in the morning going east and late in the afternoon going west. Uh, and so that is something that, that uh, you know, I've, I've been working with the county on to see if there might be a way to uh, maybe add some roundabouts like they have in, in Riverhead, things like that, instead of having the, uh, the lights that actually stop the traffic uh, dead on the uh, on the county road. Uh, and and to keep it flowing because that's that's a, a main objective is to keep the traffic flowing at all times as opposed to coming to a halt when the lights change uh, red uh, and so things like that and and the possibility of 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 maybe having uh, you know uh, more lanes in one direction at certain times of the day uh, and and then reversing them at the end of the day to go the opposite direction uh, as they do in some cities. Uh, and, and, you know, in the, the tunnels going into Manhattan, they have more tubes, you know, going in one direction and then, then reversing it the other direction at the other end of the day, uh, things like that, that really may, may help, uh, because what we're seeing, uh, Dan, is that ways that that app that tells people the, the roads to take, uh, <laughs> uh, instead of staying on the highway, they're coming now into the, the heart of the village and they're taking small residential streets to try and avoid traffic. And, uh, you know, now we have bumper to bumper traffic on small residential streets 
that were never made for 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 this type of traffic at rush hour. I mean, who would have thought we would have really have rush hour on small residential streets in Southampton Village, but we do now. And it's really uh, impacting the quality of life of so many of our residents. And, and we obviously want to do something about that. So we're trying to figure out what are the steps that can be taken at all different levels of government to address this situation that really is affecting everybody here on the uh, East End. One of the things to keep in mind, I think, is uh, when you're doing roundabouts, they're they're good that I've seen. Yeah. But one in particular, which is a circle, which is the one in Riverhead you talk about, is a nightmare. Yeah. And it's a nightmare. It was built um, oh, 50, 60 years ago, and it's much too big. Yeah. And, uh, it's just horrible. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It's a little bit like holding back. Moses holding back the water to let the people go, you know. But talk a little bit about the proposal for the garden. That's that's front and center right now. Sure, sure. Well, so um, you know, John Paulson is one of uh, you know the uh, residents of of the uh, the village uh, has come forward with with uh, really a very generous uh, gift uh, to the to the village. Uh, he, uh, a few years ago, purchased two lots on uh, Pond Lane that were slated for, for uh, you know, de de development. Uh, they were slated to be sold for, uh, you know, large homes to be built overlooking Lake Agawam. Uh, and, and he decided that he would purchase those lots and, and save them, preserve them from being developed uh, so that they could be, in, in effect, preserved as as open space as parkland uh and uh his vision uh is to again have cpf the community preservation fund buy one of the lots at the price he paid for it and then donate the other lot as a gift uh to the to the village and then have that be maintained by the lake agawam conservancy which is a not-for-profit that was really created to help clean up Lake Agawam, which, as you may know, is one of the, the dirtiest lakes in all of New York State, uh, because everything uh, from the Village Business District runs into that, that lake, uh, unfortunately. And so uh, it, it's an attempt to uh, then clean up that lake by, by preventing the road runoff and everything from running into that lake. So part of the proposal was then to turn these properties and the adjacent property along the lakefront where Pond Lane runs into a lakefront park, much the way Agawam Park runs right up to uh, the shores of Lake Agawam. It so, seems like a marvelous idea. No, I mean, it, it, it really is a very, a very very nice idea and a very generous idea. The, the 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 contention has arisen with the proposal to um, cease vehicular traffic from traversing Pond Lane uh, because it, it, you know it's it's a road that a lot of people like to drive on uh, you know into and out of the village. Now it would still be open to uh, bicycles, uh, joggers, walkers, and park goers. Uh, but the, the, again, the vision was to have it not have cars running through it, 
so that the, the park would run right down to the lakefront. Um, but that's the proposal uh, that, that uh, John Paulson has made. Um, and the town has, has gone along with it because the town is needed for the community preservation fund monies to buy this one parcel from, uh, from the John Paulson Foundation. Now, I might add that there, there's another uh, whole component to this, uh, Dan, that needs to be explained as well. And that is the uh, cleanup of the lake with the uh, process of having algae harvesters located on the opposite shore of the lake in what is currently Dozier Park, which is adjacent to Agawam Park. It's set in a little bit further to the east. And Dozier Park was purchased some years ago also with CPF money. Yep. But the only way that Dozier Park can be used for that purpose, and again, it would be set up with these algae harvesters, which are basically big uh, filtration systems that would take water out of the lake uh, clean it and then uh, redeposit the purified, the cleaned water uh, back into the lake. Uh, so it's almost like a filter in an aquarium uh, is the way it's been explained to me, uh, that then the water would be put back into the lake once the, the harmful algae has been extracted from the water. And so that would be placed in Dozier Park in, in very close proximity to the lake on the uh, eastern shore. But in order to take that parkland that was purchased with CPF money, it has to be alienated and exchanged or swapped for property of equal or greater value. And what Fred Feel has done is he has put legislation in Albany to, again, swap or trade the Dozier Park property for the the Paulson owned property on the western shore of Lake Agawam. Right. So that again, the Dozier Park can be used for the algae harvesters to clean and the water in Lake Agawam. And in exchange for that park being used for that purpose, which is a good, a good purpose to clean the lake, then the 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 people would get the park, uh, the parkland, which is actually larger and more valuable on the western shore of the lake uh, in perpetuity as, as a park. So, so that is the, like the, the legislation that he's idea. put forward. I'm sorry, Dan? I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, it's, so, so that's been put forward. Is there anything else right now that you're working on that you think is should be mentioned? Well, you know, the, uh, another project that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do, um, again, more more bioswales in the village for, for cleaner water. We're doing one right now on the corner of Windmill Lane and Nugent Street. And that is actually cleaning up uh, some of the road runoff on Windmill Lane before it gets to Lake Agawam because everything runs in a southerly way into Lake Agawam. So that's one. We're going to do some more. At, at Bowdoin Square. And then I really want to do some uh, additional beautification in the village at the entrance to the village on North Sea Road. As you come off of County Road 39 and you turn into the entrance to the village, because right now 
uh, you know, it, it's it's a nice road, but it, it doesn't really say you are here now entering the village of Southampton. Yeah. And I would really like to enhance that with some additional trees and plantings and some additional street street lights um, like we have on Main Street. And I think that I'll be able to do that and really have a much nicer entrance to the village of Southampton. So it really uh, speaks uh, you know, and says you're entering now the village of Southampton. So I think things like that will really enhance uh, the village and, and I'm hoping will attract more people uh, to the village uh, because, you know, we have a great asset here and, and I want it to be the best that it can be. Southampton Village, as far as I know, is the only village that has uh, these beautiful white lights on the trees. Um, I know I, I was in Palo Alto and they have something like that. But they're not on every tree. Or is the goal to take them to every tree and year round, or do they come down after Christmas? No, that's a very good question. So that's a a, a project that the village started several years ago, yep. and and we don't want to have them on, on every tree. We we do them, you know, um, you know, we space them out a little bit, but we can't leave them on um, year round because actually, if if you leave them on year round, they can actually uh, uh, choke the tree. Uh, if, if the lights are too tight on the tree, because the trees are, are still alive and, are, and need to expand and grow. So we do have to leave a little space uh, with with the lights and they do have to uh, really it's better for the tree if they come down during the growing season. And then we put them up during the winter when the trees go dormant. Uh, and and obviously for the for uh, the holidays. Uh, they look great, and and uh, that's when we really put them back up. But it's better that they be a little bit looser on the on the on the trunks of the trees and on the branches, so that the trees can can expand a little bit. Uh, and it, it's better, really, you know, at certain times of the year that we not we not have the lights on those trees. But that's a good reminder, and I want to remind everybody that the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we have the the uh, the, the fire trucks do a parade of lights around the village and then we have the uh, tree lighting in Agawam Park which actually is also augmented with fireworks and music and it's a huge a huge uh, celebration and I would encourage anybody that wants to come down to the village of Southampton on the Saturday after Thanksgiving it's really a fantastic uh, celebration uh, and we welcome the holidays to Southampton Village and uh, it really is is uh, it attracts a lot of people. It's almost as big as Fourth of July now. Thousands of people come, and I would encourage you, Dan, and and the paper, and everybody to come because uh, it's really it's a lot of fun, and, and everyone what, really enjoys. Uh, what time it. during that day does it begin? I presume it's so. It's it's late it. afternoon. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what time. I mean, it gets very crowded. So if oh. I, I would show up at you know uh, four four in the afternoon or four thirty because it gets very crowded, and the uh, the parade of of uh, fire trucks uh, kicks it off. And then everyone ends up in, in Agawam Park and we have the tree lighting and, and the fireworks and it's great, but it's, it's all over by, uh, I would say early evening. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, are they still shutting in the summer? Are they closed down main street at certain points. Is that we actually only at this point closed down main street for, um, for 4th of That's July. Right. Um, most of the businesses like us to keep the streets um, open now. Um, we did uh, at some point uh, close uh, Job's Lane, 
sometimes, but at, uh, but we mostly keep the streets, uh, those streets open now. But, uh, you know, there are sometimes special occasions when something comes up that we do uh, shut them down. And sometimes we have uh, road races. We had uh, the, the marathon actually in September uh, and certain streets get shut down for the marathon. And that's a qualifying marathon, actually, for the Boston Marathon, the Southampton Marathon in September. Uh, so we do close down certain streets for that. But uh, we really try and keep the, the downtown uh, open, um, especially for, for the uh, businesses. Thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to me about some of the things happening in the village. And I'll make it a point to get down there and I'll say hello to you when I'm down there for the fireworks. Thanks, Dan. I would, we welcome you anytime. We okay. really appreciate that. Sure. Thank bye you bye. very much. I've enjoyed this. You too. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.